Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Are you guys ready for the Word of God today? Hey, come on. Let's open up our Bibles. Let me see your Bible. See it? See it in the air? All right. Come on. Hey, if, I'm going to ask if you did sit down, that if you could stand up if you're able in honor of the reading of the Word of the Lord today. We don't do this every Sunday, but we're going to be doing that right now. We're going to be opening up to Hebrews chapter 3. Man, guys, the Word of God transforms our lives. Do you read the Bible? We got a, a Bible reading plan on the Church Center app. Be a person that reads the Word of God. It's the one book that we read, and it actually reads us and makes us more like Christ. A lot of people want to hear the voice of God. Start with reading what he's already said. The Holy Spirit will speak to you through the word of God. And so let's be a, a steward of the word. Start this new year off. Get a Bible reading plan. You can get one on the Church Center app. I think we might have some at the Connect Corner as well. You can pick one up. It's changed my life. It will change your life as well. Hebrews chapter 3. Such a phenomenal book in the Bible, Hebrews is. It's one of my favorites. And the writer is talking about the people of Israel and how they rebelled against the Lord before they went to the promised land. They, they, they were upset that God delivered them out of Egypt, but they didn't really believe that he could deliver them into the promised land. And I believe this is a prophetic word for our church this year that you can be set free in your life and a lot of things, but you'll actually never walk in the promise if you don't have faith. And so we're reading Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16 says, Who were they who heard and rebelled? So they heard the truth, but they rebelled against it. Were they not all of those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he, this is God, angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Say that. Say unbelief. They weren't able to go into the promised land because of their unbelief. And then this thought continues, even though the chapter changes. It's the same thought. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. So this idea of unbelief can still plague our society today, can plague our church today. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, like, be mindful. Unbelief, if left unguarded and unchecked, can ruin your faith. It can ruin your walk with Christ. He's saying, be careful that none of us fall short of it. And I want to talk about that idea today, that idea of belief and unbelief. And I want to use those words that Jesus said to Jairus, and I'll go into that in just a moment. He said, do not fear, only believe. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, don't fear. And say to them again, say, only believe. Turn, turn to your other neighbor and say, do you hear me? I said, don't fear. I said, only believe. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Pray that you'd speak through the servant. 
Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Have your way. This is your meeting, not mine, but yours. We give it over to you today. If you're hungry for the word of God and the Holy Spirit to speak to you, would you open up your hands? Say these words after me. Say, Lord, I'm here. Speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God today. Come on. It's a great day in the house of God. Do not fear. Do not fear. Only believe. Do not fear. Only believe. The year's almost over. You got, what, 12 hours left? 2023 is gonzo. It's by. And 2024 is here. How are you going to live this next year? You know, I had this whole thing planned to talk about like a year in review. And I wanted to talk about all the things that God did this year. You know, hear the sound. That was fantastic. We did that downtown. And that was something that the Lord placed upon my heart to do. Don't really know if we're going to do it entirely like we did it last year. Um, and then there's other things that we, we did a lot of great things this year. I wanted to talk about all that. And God's like, hey, you can remember that stuff. And all that stuff is good. Because how many know it's important to remember? But it's more important to choose how you're going to live. Because you cannot be dictated by your past or your experiences. You have to be dictated by your faith in your heart that is transformed by the word of God. What is your outlook for 2024 like? Is it one full of fear? Is it one full of faith? 2024, the year of more. Cool, right? That's, there's nothing wrong with having words for the year. Our church does a word or a phrase for a year, and I'll, I'll be releasing that in about three weeks, what I felt like God has called us to do as a church. But how many know it's, it, it's less important to have a word, and it's actually more important on how you receive that word? Like how you receive something that God gave you. The people of Israel were given a promised land. And the Bible says that they did not walk into the promised land. Why? Because of their unbelief. Well, actually, two people did. Joshua and Caleb walked into the promised land. But two million people died outside of the promised land because of their unbelief. So the difference between you walking in the promises of God, he says, be careful that we don't fall prey to this as well. He's using an example of Israel missing out on the promised land. An example is to be learned from. The book of Hebrews is sharing, hey, Use this as an example. Let's not do what they are doing. They missed out on the promises of God because of their unbelief. Let's not be the type of people that miss out on what God has in our lives because of our unbelief. So we see the people, the reason why they were left out of the promised land is because 10 spies went out and they spread amongst the people a bad report. Now, it's, it's funny that you had two people that had faith that said, no, surely God can do this. And you had ten people that didn't. And it spread, spread like gangrene throughout the entire Israeli camp. And, and they ended up not believing. Why? Because unbelief is contagious. It's not only contagious, it's infectious. Faith can also be contagious. And faith can also be infectious. Can I tell you that unbelief is a demonic spirit that wants to control your life. Unbelief wants to teach you how to think like it does, act like it does, talk like it does. Unbelief is okay with you going to church. Unbelief is okay with you reading the Bible as long as you don't actually believe that it's true. Unbelief is perfectly fine with you doing the God thing, the church thing, the Christian thing, as long as you don't actually apply it to your life. That's... 2 Timothy 3.5 says, I have an appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. It's a sense of, I look good on the outside, but I actually have no power on the inside. 
Now, I don't know how long you've been coming to My City Church. My City Church is a non-denominational, yeah, but we're a charismatic church. We are a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit is for today. The Holy Spirit is the same yesterday as he is today. That he's looking for people to enact God's purposes through. And in this house, he will always find a people that will say yes and amen to everything that God asks us to do. You want me to lay some hands on the sick? I'll do that. You want me to give above and beyond my normal tithe? I don't know how. Like, God, you want me to give 20% this year? I'll do that because I'm living in faith. We're obedient to the Holy Spirit in everything that he's asking us to do. God gives you a word of knowledge. You're going to go share that with the person because we're obedient to everything that he asks us to do. God says, I want you to go into this promised land. I'm going to believe that even though the Anakites are there, they were giants in the land. God surely can do it. It's a level of faith. They weren't able to go in because of their unbelief. Joshua and Caleb were able to go in because of their belief. What's your outlook like for this year? Do you have a level of faith? I'm glad that we have the Bible with us today, and we're actually able to learn what it was like to live in faith and to develop our faith, because the Bible says every single one of us has been given a measure of faith. You may think you don't have faith. The Bible says you've been given a measure of faith, and what you have is all that you need to accomplish what God has placed before you. You just have to develop it. Jesus kind of gave us an example of what it looked like to develop faith. I believe Jesus had the fullness and the power of God in him. Yes, he was God incarnate, but I think he was also teaching us how to develop our faith. We see early in Jesus' ministry, he was walking through a crowd, and a woman with the issue of blood just said to herself, if I can just touch his garment, I can be made well. And in a moment, she had that faith, and she received the healing because of her faith. Not because even Jesus was looking for her. She received it because of her faith. Can I tell you that you can receive the promises of God because of your faith? And Jesus is walking through the crowd. She touches his garment. He turns around and, and sees that her faith has made her well. But he was actually on a mission to go pray for a little girl and heal a sick little girl who was 12 years old and about to die. He was being led by a man named Jairus. Jairus was, was, was bringing him to this little girl's house when this woman interrupted Jesus. And then... As Jesus was talking to the woman that got healed, a servant of Jairus came to him and says, hey, don't worry about having Jesus pray for your daughter. She died. So don't bother him anymore. And at that moment, you have a choice. When things hit your life, difficulties, unbelief hits your life, and heartache hits your life, you have a choice to fear or to believe. Unbelief is just lack of faith. So it's, it's like, am I going to have fear or faith, or am I going to have unbelief, or am I going to have belief? What is it? You have a choice every single day to live in faith or to live in unbelief. Jesus looks at Jairus and he says, hey, do not fear. Only believe. Because he is teaching us how to operate in the supernatural. He is teaching us how to operate in the spiritual realm as believers. We maybe have physical bodies, but we actually have spirits inside us. We have a Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance that isn't just for salvation, my friend, but it is actually for you to live like Jesus here on earth, to be his hands and his feet, just like he was. He says, you will do even greater works than I. And I don't know about you, but if we're not doing greater works, are we even living like Jesus? Because we can go around and we say, yeah, the gifts have ceased. And what was Jesus talking about? You're going to write books? No. He says these signs will follow those who believe. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll be made, they'll be made well. Like these are the words of Jesus talking about the end of the book of Mark. 
So he, he says to Jairus, he says, don't worry, just believe. And he goes in this room, he says, hey, what's all this commotion? Everyone's crying. And they're like, oh, he's, Jesus just goes to him. He says, hey, don't worry, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they all laugh at him. He's like, oh, everyone get out of the room. And he grabs three disciples and the parents. He sits down by the little girl and he says, talithakum, which means little girl, get up. She gets up. So she was only sleeping. No, she was dead. And Jesus rose her from the grave. Jesus is showing how we develop in faith. Say develop. We develop in our faith. Okay, so next time we see Luke chapter 7, Jesus raises another person from the dead. It's a little boy in Luke chapter 7. He's being carried in a, in a casket on the way to the burial. So he's been dead for a while. The little girl's body was still warm before she was raised from the dead, but he's been dead for a while. They're about to go bury him. And Jesus sees the crowd, and he sees the mother, the widow who lost her only son, and his heart breaks. He goes up to the casket, doesn't even touch the boy, just touches the casket, and the little boy gets up, raises from the dead. So he didn't have to get all the unbelievers and the criers out of the room. He's showing you, like, your faith is developed. You're given faith like a mustard seed, but then it's developed. And, and he's showing us how we develop our faith. It's little by little. So this little boy rises from the dead. The next time we see him rise from, from the dead, his name's Lazarus. He's been dead for three days. That's not like just kind of still warm dead. That's like body decaying dead. And he goes into the town, and, and they're all crying, and he doesn't even go near the tomb. He just says, Lazarus, come out, because he's showing us how we develop our faith. Can I tell you, we develop our faith. That God isn't going to always ask you, hey, go pray for this person that's dead to rise from the dead. But he might start with something that's smaller. Because faith the size of the mustard seed still has potential to grow. Are you watering your faith? Are you developing your faith? Are you growing your faith? And here's the problem is we, we stopped developing it because we got let down somewhere in the past. And we started believing that God isn't actually who he says he is. And maybe people actually aren't healed anymore. Maybe miracles actually don't happen anymore. Because I based my theology based off my circumstance, not the God who's over my circumstance. All right, so I'm, I'm trying to lay a foundation here that describes this idea of belief and unbelief. I really got to rush through it here because just to be able to share that so we can get to the point of how do we handle this idea of unbelief. Jesus went to a town and in, in, in Mark chapter 6, I believe it was Mark chapter 6, wasn't it? Mark chapter 6, he, he, he went, go to, the next, go to the next slide. He went to a town, and he wasn't able to do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and, they were, and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He talks about a prophet's not without honor except in his own town. So this is Jesus, God incarnate, teaching us how unbelief not only infects our own lives, but actually infects a town. Can I tell you that unbelief can be a part of your life, it can be a part of a church, and it can be over a city. It can be over a nation. I was talking to a pastor from Africa last month, and he said, don't send any more missionaries to Africa, because revival is happening. That revival started 50 years ago. And now we're getting new missionaries that are coming, and they don't believe the Holy Spirit's working anymore. We don't want that theology here anymore. It's false. So now missionaries from Africa are going to the United States, are coming here, trying to revitalize America. He's saying, send them over to Europe. So you're like, you're going to send them, send them to Europe. Europe needs, Europe needs Jesus, but revival's happening in Africa. Because unbelief and belief it can be in a nation, it can be in a continent, it can be over atmosphere, it can be over towns and cities, over buildings, over churches, over families, over individuals. 
He wasn't able to do it because of the people's lack of belief. Let me show you another example. In Mark chapter 8, okay, Jesus uh, went to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Why did Jesus take him outside the village? Because Jesus understands a spirit of unbelief. He's like, I want to heal this man. But I operate within the same parameters I'm asking my people to operate in. And so even though I could, I won't because I designed these rules and I want to teach my people how to operate within them. So we're going to get him out of the town. The Bible says that he spit on some mud, put on a face, said, what do you see? He says, I just see these trees. And so like we pray for people, hey, are you feeling better? And they go, yes or no? Okay, well, no, we're going to keep praying. Are you feeling better yet? Yeah, I feel a little bit better. Okay, we're going to keep praying. This man gets healed, and then what does he say? He said, "Go." He says, go home. He sent him home, and then he said, don't even go into the village. Because healing can happen. Healing can happen, and then you can go back into a spirit of unbelief. Maybe I really wasn't healed. Maybe it didn't really happen. And I believe, personally, you can lose that healing. He says, don't go back into this village. There's a spirit of unbelief around there. And then we pick up in another passage when, in Matthew chapter 17, when a, a demon-possessed boy is trying to be, the demon's trying to be driven out by the disciples and they can't drive him out. And I'll, I'll read it to you. And it says, when they came to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Can I tell you that there is seldom things more powerful than a prayer of a parent for a child. Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. But get this, that was a cool story, but the story is more about faith. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. I don't know about you guys, but if the Bible's real, then why do we, it's because of your unbelief. Why do we not see some things that we want to see today? It's our unbelief. Where's your faith at? I could have called this message, where's the faith? And I could use an acronym for it, but I'm not going to. Some of you will get that on your drive home. He says, why couldn't we cast it? Jesus says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there. I don't necessarily think it was faith as a mustard seed as much as Jesus is saying, that faith has a potential to grow into some massive faith that could move mountains. You've got to develop it. The disciples were learning how to develop their faith, and Jesus gives them the key to develop their faith. Move mountain from here to there, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And some people are like, well, that prayer and fasting never should have been, a, been there before. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. And I know you could argue like the earlier manuscripts, and you could have all that conversation. Jesus said, faithless and perverse generation. And then he answers it with belief and I know Jesus said to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. 
But then Jesus was the one carrying that miracle. He was the anointed one connected to the Father. He was the one that manifested that miracle. He's showing us how to operate here on earth. He's saying, you know how you cure faithlessness? You got to build faith. You know how you build faith? Relationship with the Father. You know how you relationship with the Father? Prayer. He says, go pray. Go be with the Father. Faithless and perverse generation. He says, prayer and fasting. I think those are a correlation to one another. Prayer is the key to faithlessness. It builds your faith. Perverse generation. You know how you can be more holy? You walk in the spirit more. You know how you walk in the spirit more? You deny parts of your flesh. You know one of the best ways to deny a part of your flesh? Is by fasting. And I'm not talking about a social media fast. My personal opinion is that's some kind of demon that tried to work its way in the church to give us compromise. I'm fasting. You do you. The Holy Spirit's telling you to fast social media. Go for it. I've seen power in my life when I've fasted food. I'm not telling all of you to fast food. You got to, if, especially if you have medical conditions or you're pregnant or something, like check with your doctor before you do that. But you can. I remember when a three-day fast was so hard. Like, man, I'm going to die. I would drink water. Maybe for you it's a dinner. Maybe for you it's a breakfast, a lunch. Here's what I really want you to do. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Because he will sustain you. I remember when God told me to do my first five-day fast. There's no way, God. I worked construction at the time. God, there's no way. Around day three, God just said, my grace is sufficient. I asked you to do it, I will supply the means by which you can. Five days was a piece of cake, and then he asked for seven on another time. Could you imagine going 21 days without food? I never could have. Jesus went 40, right? I want to, I want to ask you, do something. Over these next seven days, we're entering seven days of prayer and fasting. We're going to break it Sunday night with some great soup and some prayer night here in this building next Sunday night. We're going to pray for some people. We're going to worship together. And we're going to believe that we're starting this year off with the Lord. And I'm expecting some breakthrough in some people's lives because of some physical means. Well, physical doesn't really move the arm of God. Fasting is not transactional. We don't do this so that we can get God to do something. But we do align ourselves with the Lord more by fasting. But there is something spiritual that happens when we do something physical. Just talk to Moses when his hands went down. Just talk to Daniel when he didn't fast. And then he fasted and he got the answer from the Lord. And the angel was sent on his behalf the moment he started praying. Like something happens. When you decide to do something physical, something spiritual happens. So you want to, well, God, why couldn't we? Well, be filled more with faith. Get away a little bit more. Deny some things of the world. Get some more anointing. Some of the more anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon your life. And, and God starts using you in ways you never thought was possible. I can't help but think what God could do through a bunch of obedient people that were willing to lay down the things of the world to follow him more. And so I say this is a church that we're going to be a church full of prayer and fasting. And we're going to see God do signs and wonders and miracles through this house.
So I, I, I share that just through just to lay the kind of the foundation that Jesus kind of gives us the clue on how to operate out of a spirit of unbelief into a spirit of belief. He's like, you got to develop it. You you grow your faith. You you grow your, and but how do you know if you're operating in the spirit of unbelief? If you haven't <clears throat> you haven't seen a miracle in your life, first I would say it's probably because you haven't actually given credit to the miracles you have seen and you dismiss them. The Bible says, you believe because you see. Jesus said this to Timothy and John. The book of John, he said, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who do not see and still believe. Like, they're more blessed. Like, so I'm not basing my belief on what I see. I'm basing on my belief on who God is. Right, so it, it, just because you haven't seen a miracle doesn't mean that you're not going to see one. But I would bet that you have actually had miracles in your life in the past that you've discredited. And just because you didn't see one today doesn't mean you didn't see one four years ago. And you're saying, well, God, if I, if I just saw a miracle, God, if I just started speaking in tongues, then I would believe in speaking in tongues. And Jesus said, like, even if a man rises from the dead, they won't believe. Because unbelief is a spirit, and belief actually proceeds signs and wonders. To decide in your heart, God, I'm believing that miracles are going to happen. I am believing for this healing. I'm believing for cancer. Yeah, stage four. Yeah, but I believe God still heals. I believe he's more than able. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah. If there's not a thing that he can't do. <laughs> Just ask the stone that was rolled in the tomb in the garden. And, So you go around and you're thinking, what's your profession? Is it, we'll see. So how do you know you're under suffering of, of, you're suffering under a spirit of unbelief? I just want whatever God wants. There's no faith. I'm believing for a miracle here. I'm believing for signs and wonders here. I'm feeling for a filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm not seeking a feeling, but I'm seeking a God who gives good gifts. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we have churches, we go around, guys, and, and we're, we're living a cessationist theology that isn't even biblical. And some of us are in this church, and you still don't know really what you believe about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that's okay. Know that God is taking you on a journey, but he's got to unravel some of those beliefs, and you actually have to renounce them and say, I, don't, I know I was taught this, but it's not even biblical. Well, it says tongues will cease. Okay, has the perfect come? If this is perfect, my friend, it hasn't. Well, so you have to take that thought. You have to renounce it, right? You say, I, I renounced when I was taught something here that was unbiblical. I believe that the Spirit is still moving and breathing and active today. I believe that the Holy Spirit's gifts are still active today. Not only that, but I desire the gifts. I desire prophetic. I desire uh, words of knowledge. I desire gifts of healing. I desire tongues. I desire, I desire. You have to have that profession off your mouth. you got to have things like Pentecostal fire runs in my veins too. Like you got to be able to declare that. You go around, well, when I see it, then I will. Ain't going to happen because you will immediately discredit it. But when you're filled with the Spirit and you're looking for it, guys, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit starts moving. He'll move in your high school. Like the Holy Spirit 
is a weight that is on you and you're walking by, you're growing, and then your shadow starts healing people. Like, I'm not talking just, well, those are for the apostles. Jesus didn't say the apostles will do greater works. They were showing us how to operate in them just like Jesus was. So I would say in this house, well, what's going to happen? Don't fear how God's going to use you, what's going to happen. But this is what I'm asking from you today in this house. From this day forward into 2024, only belief. I say this because we're doing a series starting next week called Daddy Issues. It's going to be talking about the orphan spirit and how our heavenly father is our good father. We might even sing, you're a good, good father. Who knows? You'll have to show up to find out. Orphan spirit plagues off of unbelief. And you will have no breakthrough of loneliness if you continue to believe that you are lonely. That's orphan spirit. Abandonment. Like So orphan spirit desires to be noticed by other people. So he places himself. I'm talking about like the spirit. Says, if, if they notice me, I'll have more importance. Well, if you go to an orphanage, they're always trying to get, I want to get picked. And if I didn't get picked, then then I'm, I'm still here, and, and I got left. I got abandoned. And so now I take things really personal. Like, if someone didn't text me back right away, I make up a story in my mind that says, they must not care about me. They must not love me. If you have those thoughts, it's okay. But I want you to know that that is a demonic thought trying to plague your life and place the orphan spirit on top of you. Yeah, they don't care about you. Hey, guess what? Nobody cares about you. Oh, that's the devil. That's a demonic spirit that you don't have to be subject to anymore. That the next time when you get delivered from an orphan spirit and you're able to actually see it coming, you're like, oh, they didn't text me back. Yeah, they don't care. Oh, there's that, there's that little guy again. That's all right. I know I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, I'm, I'm God's beloved. They may not text me back. Yeah, maybe they're busy. Doesn't mean that they don't care, right? But it's, that's what an orphan spirit will do. And we need to activate faith in our lives. And, and uh, so I just want to give you some keys on how to overcome this. Let's stand to our feet. All right, so uh, you might be suffering from unbelief if you do not believe in the existence of the supernatural. You trust in knowledge over spirit. God tells us to use our brain, but our brain actually partners with what the spirit is doing not the other way around, right? So knowledge is not bad, but it actually partners with what the Spirit is doing, all right? So you, you trust in that. You find yourself complaining or critiquing a lot. That was what Israel was doing, why they didn't enter the promised land. They're always complaining, why did God bring us here? They didn't trust God. And if you find yourself complaining or critiquing a lot, it's because you don't actually trust God and how he's going to use this, right? All right, so the next thing is... Um, uh, different areas. Uh, oh, maybe maybe you've been caught. I talked about this a little bit under cessationist pre preaching, which said the gifts aren't for today, right? I could have that conversation. I have many times, and my heart breaks because we have a great father that wants to give great gifts to his children, but they're unwilling to receive them because they don't believe that the, he's actually for them. They don't believe that he is who he says he is. They believe that he's changed. My heart breaks for that. Guys, the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. He's desiring. 
you're his vessel. You're the light in the darkness. You need the Holy Spirit. We're not gonna save this city by our minds. You're not gonna save your family by your minds. You're not gonna... Revival doesn't happen because we had a great idea. It's because the Holy Spirit showed up. No one comes to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws him. That Spirit interacts with humanity most of the time through you. All right, so you might be under an unbelief, unbelief spirit if you, you find yourself being rejected or abandoned. Um, I, I went up to get prayer for healing, and I didn't receive the healing so that's fine. God can bless everyone else, but he's not going to bless me because I asked for someone to pray for me uh, for speaking in tongues, the gift of speaking in tongues, and I didn't receive it. So it either isn't for today or God just doesn't really want to give it to me. That's not the case. Can I tell you, sometimes gifts are inhibited because of other factors. And the Holy Spirit desires for you to be whole. He doesn't want to just give you a gift but then have a hole in your heart because you were wounded and you never forgave. So God desires that you be whole. So unforgiveness can block up healing. It can block up gifts of the Holy Spirit. It can block things in your life. So to be able to ask the Lord, search my heart, let me know if there's anything in me. That's a powerful prayer, guys. Okay, Lord, reveal to me. Keep hungering for the gifts. Keep seeking. Keep, if you haven't gotten them. What I found is when that happens, you actually have had them. You just kind of forgot. And your faith started to die a little bit, and it's back to mustard seed. And you got to grow it again. All right? All right, so this is what we got to do. If you find yourself in any of these, any of these things resonate with you, you got to first acknowledge it, repent from it, and denounce it. Renounce it. Say, like, hey, like, I don't believe that anymore. God, I'm sorry that I've had a spirit of unbelief. I still do that as a pastor. Lord, I'm sorry that I didn't believe you here. Right? Next thing you got to do, like, if you find a spirit of unbelief or some of these things on your life, like prayer and fasting is it works wonders. Getting into the, the word of God on a regular basis. You got to speak and declare the word of God. Say, I know I believe today. I believe today that healing is happening. Healing is in this room. I believe today that God wants to use me today. I believe that God is with me. God is for me. I believe he's strong. I is, he is mighty. And, and number five, you got to act on the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, but you actually have to apply it. Right? Show your faith by your works. And so you got to apply it. And then the last one I want to leave you with today is you got to resist that spirit from coming back into your life. So in this house, what we're... I believe we are mandated by God is to be a place where he looks and he finds faith. Surely God can do it. That's why I had, you guys sing that song. It wasn't the plan. I don't know if Kaylee picked the song and, and, or maybe Allie or someone. Like, that wasn't the plan to preach on this until three days ago. But I believe the, the word from this house for this year, it isn't the word or the phrase for the year, but, like, guys, God's more than able to do. Like, let that out of your mouth. He's more than capable of doing it today. So I want to go into that song today, and we're going to close with that. Then I'll pray, you, I'll pray over you. We'll dismiss. We'll be on our way, New Year's Eve parties, whatever you're going to be doing. Be smart. Be safe. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that was for someone. <laughs> Holy Spirit's just like, conviction, bam! <laughs> <laughs> right.
But let's let that out of our mouth, not words that we sing, but actually something that we believe. Let's, sing, let's start to sing that out there. Hey, would you lift up? Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.